Blondes with glasses, they can't sing. Blondes with glasses, let's do this podcast thing. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Becca. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? Why Uh, don't I ever have anything to say immediately after saying hi to you? Is it because we have been talking for the last five minutes? Possibly. Yeah. You already used up your good stories. You're right. No, well, actually, I wanted to tell you about last night. I wanted to, I went, um, I went out for Pride Shabbat. Oh uh, my God. Yeah. What? It was crazy. It was my first Shabbat service I've ever attended in my life. Whoa. And it was like the, it was like Pride themed because it's Pride weekend in DC. Oh. And it was packed. It was, oh there were so many people. And there was, and they were, and they're singing and all this stuff, and it was great. But it's like I realized that religion is like a fandom, you know, where uh-huh. there's a lot of text and there's a lot of interpretations of that text, and there's a lot of stuff you need to know going in. And when you first jump in, you're gonna be real lost. <laughs> the thing about <laughs> Judaism is that in their services. They do all, all their prayers and singing and whatnot is in Hebrew. So mm. I've been to mega churches. I've been to Catholic masses. I've been to a Unitarian church. I've attended all these different ceremonies, services, whatever. Mm-hmm. And when they sing, it's pretty easy to follow along. You've never heard the song before, but you're like, all right. You know, there's a lot of repetition. And yeah. like, at the mega church, everything was on the jumbotron. Oh <laughs> and it was great. And then here, it's like... The, book, the prayer book was so unhelpful because it was like they, they were doing everything to music and they were singing it all and I had no idea what the tune of the song mm. was going to be and it's in mm. Hebrew. <laughs> I was just struggling Double whammy. with that. And then every so often there was bowing involved and I was not expecting that either. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're, we're now back. Yeah, so it was a lot for a first wow. uh, service, but I think the only way to get better at it and more comfortable is just keep keep going that's right yeah you got it girl oh my god <laughs> that sounds so fun wait when were you at a mega church uh in texas uh, i my knew friend that was gonna be invited answer. me to her mega church it was at the sbc center which is where the nba team plays oh my and god. it was massive and they passed out um little uh, to go communion uh, little plastic oh cups with God. little wafers already like on them. It's all like prepackaged, and they pass it out. And I was like, "Oh, thank God, I'm starving! Like <laughs> so thirsty." <laughs> I was like, "Great, apple juice or what? Grape juice, whatever it was." And I just ate it. And then they were like, "This is the blood and body of Christ." I was like, "What? <laughs> what did I just eat?" Like. <laughs> Yeah, that was my experience oh my at a mega church. Other than that, it was pretty fun. There was lots. I loved the songs and the singing. It was, you know, yeah. It is the songs are the best. I have to say, it was my favorite part. Yeah. Oh man. We sang Ugh. "Over the Rainbow" translated into Yiddish. Which, what? If you thought singing in Hebrew was hard, singing in Yiddish because it's like this weird German Hebrew mm. random hybrid. So there's a lot of like Germanness to it, and it was like, you, I knew the tune that time, but <laughs> didn't speak uh, Yiddish. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this about me, but I have a really good ear for Yiddish oh. because I I took a seminar on Yiddish film and mm. we watched 
almost every Yiddish film ever created. So I had to spend a semester just reading Yiddish subtitles mm-hmm. or English subtitles for Yiddish. Yeah. And so now I could I can really synthesize a lot of Yiddish. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you should bring me next time is what I'm sure. saying. Sure. That sounds like my ideal song. It's yeah. a Broadway song. Yeah. In Yiddish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very hipster. Very yeah. Hipster. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, the, the pride aspect was interesting. It was very earnest. Um... Oh, I didn't even put that together about the pride. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, uh, I, I heard the term straight ally a couple times. So mm. it was so... Yes. Um... It was cute. They tried their they best. They tried, and it was it was that very you know super liberal Judy like Jewish you know like we love you and we're gonna we're gonna be so earnest is the just the best word I could use to describe it. Like I I appreciate it. It's very sweet, but relax a little bit. You know, <laughs> ease on down the road. <laughs> oh yes, zing! Uh, I love it. Uh, yes, ease on down the road. Yeah. Uh, now I'm just thinking about the whiz. Why did you say that? <laughs> well, let's turn the tables. You were you were away for the for last week. It was a yes. pre-taped show last week. Oh, last week was a pre-taped show. Yes, you were out of town. You were in all over the place. I was. Set. I was. I went to Sonoma, California, for a wedding, and then after that, I went to Seattle for two or three days. Three days uh, to visit some family up there. So we cashed in on the double episode we had recorded together because mm-hmm. we were so far apart again. And I did not like being in the opposite time zone. Like, I, mm-hmm. I really, after two years of being ahead of you and everybody else on the East Coast, yeah. I did not like being behind. Yeah. I don't know how your parents do it. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. Yeah, when I got a text from you at like 2.30 in the morning, or well, I didn't see it till the morning, but I look at it, I'm like, oh my god. Like, first yeah. of all, you're just, like, watching Law & Order in your hotel room at, like, 11.30 at night, Shannon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my big news. Carisi from Water SVU was a bad guy, or, like, an accomplice to a bad guy in a Law & Order CI episode. And I saw his face, and I was like, huh? <laughs> it's so exciting. They're all, they're all in multiple episodes playing multiple characters. I love that. I love that, like, the DA for a large portion of SVU hmm. was previously seen on an episode of SVU as, like, a rapist. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The episode we were watching yesterday had, randomly, Martha Stewart popped up oh for one scene. And she was, like, a headmistress at a really fancy school. And I was like, that's Martha Stewart! Trying her hand <laughs> acting. Yikes. She, she did very well, I have to say. Wow. I, mean, I was impressed. Wow. Yeah. Her last line was not the greatest delivery, but the rest of it was all good. I, I was I was on board. I would watch more of that. Well, speaking also, of villains, no. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Martha Stewart is definitely a villain. I mean, she went to prison. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. Not everybody that goes to prison is a villain, Becca. Good point. See, Can't make shades of gray here. What? <laughs> Which makes for interesting viewing, and sometimes... Yes. People don't understand what shades of gray mean, mm-hmm. and they have. To be clear, you know, we're not talking about Fifty Shades of Gray. No, never. We're, we're talking we about are a whole. Literally, never talking about that. <laughs> actually, I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but actually, our topic is moral grayness and heroes and villains. villains is what I heroes, I'm villains, 
redemption arcs. Yeah, anti-heroes, villains. Damaging attachments. This yeah. is a wide-ranging topic, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but it really, it really centers on our society and what we view as villainous, what we view as redeemable, what we view mm-hmm. as heroic, you know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and like what we're willing to excuse and what we're not, you know, where, where is that line sort of? Yeah. Yeah. Part of the reason I thought of this topic was because of the movie The Descendants that we were <laughs> watching together two weeks ago. So, do we talk about that on the podcast? Uh, we briefly mentioned it, yeah. Okay, yeah, it was I think insane. It's but just <laughs> Descendants, because I think the Descendants oh, that's is the right. George Clooney movie. Okay, right, yes, Descendants. Okay. But it's the Disney Channel original movie where it's about the children of the villains, yeah. and they live on their own little island, and it's sort of talking about, like, the, the moral balance and who's good, who's bad, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and... I love that movie, and I think that there are a lot of movies that could really better by harnessing some of that, where it's like, not everybody is... I mean, okay, this is the topic, though, because at the same time, as you do want more development in your villains and your heroes, there are people on the other side who are like, everybody's both a hero and a villain. Like, everybody's an anti-hero nowadays, which I think is something you wanted to definitely talk about. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm getting very bored with the anti-hero it, as, as a trope now. Because I love mm-hmm. the idea that we are all capable of anything. Because that's I, that's what I believe. I believe we're all capable of great good, great evil, whatever. But when mm-hmm. you just have your protagonist be a total asshole, a mm-hmm. dick with like no morals whatsoever, who's not trying to do the right thing at any point, who's not trying to be better, who's not grappling with himself or herself, you know, and it's just a straight-up villain who happens to be a protagonist, but then the narrative keeps rewarding them and saying, they're Mm -hmm. always right, you know, like, everything they do, it's, like, hard to watch, but, like, at a certain point, you start getting excited by their horrific acts versus horrified by it. And to me, that's just so boring at a certain point. Like, Rick on The Walking Dead, like, Mm -hmm. he... First of all, he's never going to die, even though anyone could die. Like, mm-hmm. that's such a bullshit statement. But, like, he he's constantly rewarded by the narrative. Everything he says ultimately comes true. You know, everyone he doesn't trust, he ultimately shouldn't have trusted. You know, it's like he's always right, even though he does monstrous things mm-hmm. and is is so boring to watch as a character now. And it's just, just so many more, like, just anti-heroes that I'm just so sick of. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the same wheelhouse as Dexter and House and... Sherlock. Sherlock. Any, uh, anybody who's, like, the the white protagonist who's <laughs> House of super, cards. super genius in mm-hmm. their field or whatever. Yeah, House of Cards, definitely. There's... Yeah, I mean... Oh, my God. There's so many like that. And... and it's interesting because I think that there's we've now gotten to a point where we're so oversaturated saturated with antiheroes. Now there's also the shows that are just villains, like right. Bates, Bates Motel and Hannibal, mm-hmm. and I'm, there's definitely others. But like the American Horror Story ones, American Crime Story, mm-hmm. you know, like we're we're now like we've run out of heroes, we've run out of antiheroes, so let's just switch to the villains. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of sad. I don't yeah. Know. But I was debating about why why we sometimes 
latch on to villains. And I was talking about it with Kyle, and I was like, why is it that, like, my, one of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe is Loki? Like, I can, I can fully admit that and not be, you know, embarrassed, because I loved him in the first Avengers movie, and I loved him in Thor, and, and, and we were discussing it, and it was basically what it came down to was, sometimes the villains are more well-written yeah. than the heroes, because heroes are just, like, milquetoast, mm-hmm. like, they're doing it for the greater good, and blah 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 everything you've heard before always like mm. we're, we're we're here to save the city like on arrow you know like how many times have you heard them say it's for the city and and the villains at least how like they have to invent a reason for them to be villainous they can't just be like i'm a villain like okay there are some shows where they're just like i'm a villain but yeah. <laughs> more often than not especially in movies where they're gonna have some backstory as to why they're villainous yeah. and I think it, it makes it a lot easier sometimes to connect with them as characters because they're more well-defined. Yeah, they're dynamic, interesting characters. More like, human-like. Right. Like, you are a human, you know? Like, I feel like Arrow's such a great example because Arrow, he is... Arrow is our hero of the story or whatever, and he's mm-hmm. constantly being told by all the characters, you know, you're doing the right thing, everything you do is correct, uh, you're the hero, you're the hero, but everything he does is, like villainous a lot of the time you know he is lying all the time you know he he kills people he's killed people and stuff and so rarely does the show grapple with that and say you know oh maybe he isn't like a perfect hero maybe Mm -hmm. you know maybe he's not an anti-hero either but it's just shows and movies have such a hard time figuring out you know, the yeah, the moral complexity of a person, but with a villain, they seem to understand that perfectly, you know? They mm-hmm. seem to understand, like, oh, he's villainous, but it's so much more fun if you kind of like the villain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, which, I think it's even better when eventually they get a redemption arc, which is something that happens a lot with villains that are, mm-hmm. you know, show up again and again in a show or whatever. So, we definitely already talked about via text Zuko yeah. which is I don't think there's a better example of a redemption to me that's the ideal in terms yeah. of a, a villain being redeemed which is this is from Avatar The Last Airbender where not the movie <laughs> not the movie <laughs> the movie putting doesn't it exist yeah. um, but he's this kid who has been you know he has his tragic backstory he's doing all this stuff but he never really does anything too monstrous that I really remember um, nothing yeah. so irredeemable. He's just he's he's chasing our heroes, you know, mm-hmm. and he experiences change throughout the the seasons. He starts to question, why am I doing this? You know, is, is this is this the the right thing to be doing? You know, like all this stuff. He he sort of comes around. Then he he joins the team, but he's never like it's never like okay, you're our buddy now. You know, yeah. like it's never just like instant like oh you're a good guy now. It's like mm-hmm. he's this awkward, like, addition to the group yeah. where it takes a long time, you know, a for him to time. really become part of the group. And even then, they're still like, hey, remember you were a real asshole? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, that is, it's honestly one of the most perfect arcs I've ever seen on television. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to watch it because it's so beautiful. And, and also... The, in the comics, they continue that with him being 
he's still conflicted. Like, even as a not-villain later in the series, he's still conflicted about, you know, his role as a leader of the Fire Nation mm-hmm. and and what he is supposed to do in relation to his friendship with the Avatar and all this stuff. So, I, I mean, even if you watched the show, loved it, and you haven't read the comics, I would recommend the first series of comics because it was all about Zuko and him and Aang sort of deciding where they stand with each other and like what happens if he goes crazy like the previous Fire Lord and and Aang needs to take him out like Mm -hmm. is he going to be able to do that that sort of thing so it's again like the moral grayness of of people's pasts and how they can change and stuff like oh it's I just love Zuko I love it so much (laughs) yeah it's it is I just yeah, there's, but there's definitely, like, clear lines in certain points where it's, like, at a certain point, I don't think a, a villain can be redeemed or, or should be redeemed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, Kylo Ren, for example. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really have to think about that one. <laughs> from, from Star Wars, the latest Star Wars, and I, I think when you destroy an entire planet, when you... Well, I guess I'm describing Darth Vader, let's be honest. Yeah, when you kill your father. When you kill your father. um, Mm -hmm. Like, you just... What is that redemption arc? You know, and is it believable? And is it necessary? And and do we get anything out of it? Or do we get more out of saying, he is... What he has done is monstrous, and if we Mm -hmm. ultimately reward him with a happy ending, what, what are we saying? You know? Yeah. Well, it's a good point because I'm distant enough from the Star Wars fandom that I can't quite, you know, I can't make assumptions about where it's going to go from this point. Like, I loved the first, this reboot movie, whatever, number eight, this one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I loved that one. I thought it was great. I'm not particularly close with the previous ones, but I, I like, I can understand why they're so terrific for a lot of people. And I... I appreciate them and I'll watch them when they're on TV sort of thing. But I don't know enough to say, you know, to synthesize the information of the previous movies to say, are they going to repeat the Darth Vader thing with the... Because Darth Vader did get a little bit of a redemption. Yeah. But it wasn't so much of a redemption that he lived happily ever after. No, it was redemption equals death. You know, yeah. which is a very common trope where it's yeah. you're redeemed in the last seconds of your life. You do one final act and it, mm-hmm. it's a noble sacrifice or it kills you in the process. And you're like, mm-hmm. I see the error of my ways now. And then you're dead. Yeah. And that's uh, that's pretty a lame trope at this point. It's just it's, it's <laughs> kind of dumb. Um, yeah. And it's been done. And, you know, I feel like they they couldn't do that again. And at the same time, I don't know that they could do, you know, like a, yeah, it's just, it's especially now that Han Solo is dead, where it's like half of that, like, redemption or whatever would be his parents, you Mm -hmm. know? And if you don't get to see that scene where he's he's made up with, with both of his parents, you know, it's just sort of like, okay, you know? Yeah. I'd like to see... Leia just stab him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd <laughs> that would make fun. me happy. Yeah, I'd love that. Well, the other component of this that we're not talking about is that a lot of people are very weirdly interested in in Rey in Star mm-hmm. Wars, like, redeeming him. Mm-hmm. Not him redeeming himself, 
mm-hmm. but but her being with him and that makes him a better person. Yeah. Which is this disgusting trope that drives me insane. Yes. Which, this is what mm-hmm. I term term the damaging attachment thing. Mm. Where it's like we as young millennials have been conditioned to see these this trope as something that we should aspire to. So it's exactly the product of Twilight of seeing mm. Edward Cullen and thinking I can fix him. I can, I'll be the one human that he yeah, can yeah. this sort of thing. Like, and that is all over fan fiction nowadays. It's all over mainstream television. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely in, in teen wolf, you know, like any fantasy show has that. Uh, the vampire diaries mm-hmm. has it as well, where it's like, you're a monster, but I'm not. And you, you'll change for me. Like that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. And it, but it's also going out into like all the other mainstream shows where you just see like terrible people who <laughs> are going to be redeemed. And I feel like once upon a time definitely has this mm-hmm. right. Like with Emma and maybe and hook. hook. Oh yeah. Rumpelstiltskin is also kind oh, of yeah. dick. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, from... like, yeah, they're redeemed by their love of this person. And, Mm-hmm. It's, it, what it does is that it that the person that redeems them is always a woman, and yep. the woman is oh is pretty much always it's not about her, you know. No, it's she is just a vessel for this redemption. She yes. is is it could be anybody, you know. It's just it completely erases her autonomy as a person, and and, and if you have created a really interesting dynamic character like Ray. It doesn't make any sense that someone so interesting, compelling, all that stuff would go for such a low life, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's just because it, it's clearly there. Nobody is thinking about her in this situation. Mm-hmm. They're just thinking about him. And and we've just been conditioned by all these tropes of, oh, they're at each other's throats. They hate each other. You mm-hmm. know what that means? Well, they won't. You know, yeah. they're going to get together at the end. It's like. That is a terrible thing that we've put out there for the last, mm-hmm. you know, God knows how long of, of these two people. They're at each other's throats, so they're destined to fall in love. Yeah. It's like, I don't know that that makes for a very good relationship, you know? Nope. I think it makes for a pretty shitty one. And mm. the idea that you, at least one of you has to fundamentally change everything about who you are in order yeah. to, to <laughs> like, fit together... Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's pretty rough stuff. <laughs> I also think it's it sort of leads right into another trope that we hate, which is the... I don't really know how to explain it, but you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, where there's a man and a woman, and they both are facing the same obstacles, and she is more qualified, yes. but she just lifts up the man to do that. Oh so my God. The, my favorite example of this is the Lego movie. Yeah. <laughs> because I love the Lego movie. It's, it's, but it's the chosen one. The chosen like, one. Who's for, always a man. Who's always a man. You, and then almost always. Frequently they're like, oh, well, we got to add our strong female character in there. Mm-hmm. So she'll, she'll be the mentor now. Yeah. And it happened with on Arrow again when he was on that island and it was Shadow, right? Who was the woman who totally could have just like owned that island. Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. uh, Oh my God. Harry Potter. (laughs) Ant-Man. Yeah. Ant-Man was a great example. Oh my God. You're going to hate (laughs) Ant-Man. Yeah. It's so true though. It's like, it's this, this nobody with no skills whatsoever Mm -hmm. is is told you're the chosen one. I 
should be the chosen one. It makes mm -hmm. no sense that I'm not. I have to waste my time training you to do what I can already do, you yeah. know? And, it, and now because it is so frequently a woman playing that role, it's just mm -hmm. so insulting, you know? It is. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so back to damaging attachments. Cause, so we're we talked about the, you know, the Kylo Ren Ray thing. Yeah. And... And Edward Cullen and stuff, and there, I think there are other. Yeah, I got, a, I got like two more on here that I'm worth talking about. Yeah, there's another one I want to talk about. We've we've talked about this in private before, where I something really, really grates against my soul when people love Harley Quinn and the Joker. Oh. And I can't quite put it into words because I am not a Batman fan. So I don't have the skill set, but I can, I have seen the Batman animated series origin of Harley Quinn and I've seen the Joker episode, you know, and, and so like, I have seen enough to know that I absolutely hate it and I can't understand why people love them and admire them and dress up as them for Halloween because I find their relationship to be one of the most toxic, terrible relationships out there and like it is so baffling to me that people love Harley Quinn mm. and maybe it's like I would love actually somebody to tell me why they love because I don't know anybody that loves Harley Quinn mm -hmm. personally I just I, like I I don't understand if it's her like surviving an abuser sort of thing but mm -hmm. that's not like she doesn't really survive it honestly she just sort of is still around and he's still around and yeah. she's constantly in the midst of the abuse and like there's no he never gets a redemption the joker and she never gets out of his clutches so it's sort of like this forever cat and mouse terrible setup and there's no like resolving action to mm -hmm. their their relationship i think and i mean at least of what i've seen and so when I see the trailer for Suicide Squad and people are so excited about Harley Quinn, mm -hmm. I just think, like, do I have to watch that? Do I have to see this terrible Joker with who was terrible in real life, apparently, on <laughs> yeah, the set? Yeah. And, and do I have to watch that? And then how am I going to feel? Like, am I going to feel gross and want to go home and take a shower after watching this movie? Because that's what I think is going to happen. Right, well, I mean, it's a movie about villains and the villains are the heroes of the movie you mm -hmm. know and so it's a matter of how interesting are the villains and, and can you find yourself rooting for them I guess mm -hmm. you know like it's tough because I feel like some people like you love Loki you know like mm -hmm. there's certain villains that get people really excited and like the Joker and Harley Quinn you know those are those are villains that get people really excited um because That's true. I guess they're, they're dynamic and compelling. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess we've just never... I, I, I agree with you. I've never, I've never been one of those people who gets really excited about <laughs> abusive relationships. And yeah. people who are abusive. Like, apparently she gives gives as good as she gets, which is, like, their, their interesting dynamic, which is her and the Joker, like, are both abusive to each other. Mm. And, and it's... I don't know. I just, I just don't get as excited about that sort of thing to me. I'm a yeah. big fan of 
Parks and Rec and like positive <laughs> positive relationships and I'm really into right now like the idea of watching like Captain America type stuff of you know good men trying to do their best making tough calls that some you know they're not going to be right 100% of the time but they're doing their best you know like yeah. right now that's really what I'm attracted to but I, I, I guess I can sort of see people getting excited interested in that yeah it's hard because yeah it's a tough because we as feminists we are supposed to be like she has total agency so you know she's totally in charge of how she presents herself how she acts or whatever so that's good it's just it is hard to to get behind a certain type of behavior (laughs) you know yeah yeah i mean I don't know. I also worry because the movie is not going to have enough time with such a large cast. Yeah. It's not going to have enough time to go into the minutia of her backstory, mm-hmm. their relationship, and to explain why it's, you know, why it is the way it is. So I worry that the end result is going to be like Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> like she <laughs> wants to fix the Joker. She loves the Joker, and, right. like, that's going to be the end of it in the movie version. And, like, of course, in the comics, they have pages and pages to explain mm-hmm. why their relationship is that way. Yeah. But I think when they simplify it down, it's going to be rough. Yeah. I'm worried. I'm worried. Yeah, and I also get the feeling it's going to be one of those movies where it sort of revels in the violence, and, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be, like, really excited when they, like, kill someone in a really crazy way, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm getting really sick of that as well. You know, I'm getting really sick of this destruction porn, of this idea that we're supposed to, like, revel in the violence. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I'd really love to to move away from that and and talk about how horrible violence is, you know, and and really sort of delve into into why we shouldn't get so much enjoyment and why we shouldn't be shooting these action sequences the way that we are. And, you know, yeah, it's just... It's, it's weird. <laughs> Do you have another example? Uh, well, we were talking about Jessica Jones. Uh, yes. And yes. how people want her and what's his face? Uh, what Kilgrave. is his name? Kilgrave. Kilgrave, yeah. To get together, who is the horrifying villain of that story. Who, yeah. It, who literally can control people. And With just like by saying, by saying, go jump off a bridge, yeah. they have to go jump off a bridge. Yeah, the and, power of suggestion. And the idea that he could be redeemed by her love or whatever, or that like, it's just, it's so insulting to her. Again, you know, mm. she doesn't want to be with like this horrific rapist, you know, and let her, let her not want to be with it. Like, leave her alone, you know? <laughs> yeah, leave her alone. <laughs> yeah, and, and same with, uh, on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Grant Ward is revealed oh, God. to be a Hydra oh. agent. And people Don't even st- talk to me about him. And people were still like, <laughs> well, well, Sky will, ma- will redeem him, you know? Oh. She'll make him better. And to their credit, thank God, they have never once redeemed him. And they never will, because he died, basically. Did he die? Oh, yeah. thank God. <laughs> the yeah, actor's still walking second. around, because someone, some ancient evil, whatever, took his body. No, no. he just died. Um, anyway, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, but, uh, that's a spoiler I'm glad to hear, because now maybe I'll go back and watch the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's really great. And, and mm. she never once was like, maybe, you know, like, 
I remember the good times or whatever. Ugh. Like she, it never, it never went to that place. He was always a straight up Nazi, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah, I literally. love that. I love that. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's what I want more of. But like, just the idea, just knowing that people exist out there who are like, mm. no, they should be together. And it's like, mm. think about her. <laughs> like, yeah. you don't understand her as a character at all. If that, yeah. if that is what you want for her, is to be miserable with a horrific villain. I have a quote, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I have two quotes. But I'll... So, the, basically, there's an article on... I am of the same opinion of you, as you in this respect. Especially because I was thinking about Kilgrave a lot last night when I was driving. I was like, he's such a dick. <laughs> I can't believe people like him. Even though David Tennant's dumb face is cute, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I found this Mary Sue article by Maddie Myers... And it's called, Yes, There is a Kilgrave Fandom, and Here's Why I'm Not Condemning It. And I was like, okay, Maddie Myers, <laughs> explain it to me. And so she says, um, the idea of a redemption arc for abusive characters, which arguably describes the entire plot of Twilight and its counterpart Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> ding, 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 <laughs> makes sense to me as a fantasy because it allows the writer and often their self-insert protagonist in their story a semblance of control. Here's the formula. There will be a villain seemingly irredeemable in his actions until a pure, sweet heroine comes along who redeems him. He's evil, yes, but he learns how to be good for me, she justifies. And she's right, and they live happily ever after, and nothing bad happens, and he never goes back to being an irredeemable abuser again. Blue skies, birds singing. This is almost the plotline of Jessica Jones. But then the show takes the trope and throws throws it on its head, However, we've all seen this trope happen so many times that it's understandable that the fandom might have a little whiplash about this new portrayal of the pattern. And so she goes on to explain sort of about the fandom itself, and she says, It's not that individual women and young girls are problematic or fucked up because they want to believe in these reformed abuser narratives. It's that these narratives are everywhere. So how can we possibly blame anyone for believing in them? Fandoms exist for real-life serial killers, sure, but also real-life abusive relationships and gaslighting happens every day. The survivors of those experiences end up telling themselves, maybe I can be the one to get my abuser to snap out of it. But in those real-life situations, their consent isn't being respected. Mm. So, so, I do really deep down hate Kilgrave, and also I think this is the same sort of relationship as Hannibal and Will from Hannibal and you know Cal Drogo and Khaleesi mm. like there's a lot of examples of this sort of terrible well yeah it, what's great is what that article said is but what, what it points out is how incredibly damaging for society it is to have oh, these yeah. narratives so permeate our culture so deeply because it is affecting people in real life. When they see a narrative of, I, I reformed my abuser, you know, I got mm-hmm. him to stop abusing me and become a good person, it, which is, a, in, which is not, not something that happens in real life, but people, if they think it might, then, then maybe that'll make someone stay with their abuser that much longer. Mm-hmm. And that's so dangerous and so terrible to, to put out into the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I am glad that it's very slowly certain things are finally, you know, refusing to engage with that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think Jessica Jones is actually a great example, minus this small 
fandom that exists. Mm -hmm. A great example of a show that unabashedly just says, do you see this guy? He is a rapist. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, in his actions. And they say it on the show. that They call him out and call him a rapist Mm -hmm. multiple times on the show. And that does not happen in a lot of shows. Yeah, like Game of Thrones or whatever. Yeah. It was consensual by the end. Yeah. Like, characters that act this way are often just sort of they let him go they say uh anti-hero they will be redeemed later maybe mm-hmm. in seven seasons you know mm-hmm. and and that's sort of the end of it and to, to see jessica jones where from the very beginning david Tennant, who's a beautiful dude is just mm-hmm. right there up front and they're saying he's a rapist because of his actions no question is asked that's fat like that's yeah groundbreaking yeah sadly (laughs) yeah sadly yeah i i is there there's gonna be more of that show right they're they're filming that yeah i believe so they have to they have to go through all the other characters in the tie-in series and then i get and then i think she gets another season okay well i'm excited for it Yeah. yeah um while we're talking about well, let's switch from this, because this is depressing, to <laughs> to moral grayness. And because I want to talk about people on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> okay. I, I'm so glad because I almost forgot. I wanted to mention the greatest line of television that has ever been uttered, which uh-huh. is, cool motive, still murder. Yes! <laughs> this is from Best Brooklyn line. Nine-Nine. And yeah. I, I, I honestly want to apply it to every time people want to mm. redeem a villain or whatever. Yes. And it's just cool, like, great, he's got a tragic backstory. Like, he thought what he was doing was right. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Still mm-hmm. murder. You know? Yep. And, and it works for all of our dumb anti-heroes, too. You know? It's like, yep. Rick Grimes, you know, he, like, killed a man by, like, biting his face or something. I don't even remember at this God. point. But it was so horrific, and it's just like... It was for survival, and it's like, yeah, like, I don't know that that was necessary, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, it's the same thing that happens, I mean, like, that's James Bond to a T, definitely, mm-hmm. like, 100%. There's so much stuff that happens in those movies where you're like, no, that didn't, no, you didn't need to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, um, but I did it for love, and it's like, mm-hmm. cool motive, mm-hmm. still murder, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I was thinking about... I've seen, so, you know, in um, Dungeons and Dragons, how you can be, like, a lawful good or a neutral evil or whatever. Like, there's the person smack dab in the center of the chart is the chaotic neutral, Mm -hmm. which is somebody that is an agent of chaos, basically. And they can flip-flop anyway. And I love that in TV shows. I love somebody who's a chaotic neutral because I feel like that's what Tom Haverford is. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's what uh, Rosa Diaz is in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, there are so many characters in comedies for some reason that are like these chaotic neutral people where you never know where they're going to fall on... Actually, I th- feel like Gina is also chaotic neutral. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, like, sometimes she'll have a heart of gold. She'll, you know, she'll totally come in in the clutch. But then in other times, she's just going to be, like, crazy and do whatever she wants for herself. Like, right. I love that because I feel like that's what actual humans are like, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, sometimes you're going to be great. You're going to go to a party and you're going to, you know, be a good person and, you know, schmooze with everybody at the party. But other times you're going to be like, I'm bringing out my DJ Roomba and I'm 
refusing to play any music you guys want to listen to. I'm only playing Usher. <laughs> like, that's how we all are, I think, at the end of the day. Like, yeah. It's, it's always a toss-up, and I wish there, I wish that existed in dramas. I, I know it probably can't, because part of it is you need the comedic element to for it to work, but yeah. I feel like dramas could really, you know, take a note from comedies in that respect and have more characters that are sort of instead of being an anti-hero just make them like chaotic in, yeah. and and like a normal person <laughs> I think that's sort of what drew people to the Joker especially in mm. Dark Knight yeah. where it's just this agent of chaos and that's really all he cared about was chaos mm. so like that's that is compelling that is very interesting because how do you how do you, you can't reason with that, you can't, how do you really combat that, how do you, mm-hmm. yeah, how do you deal with that? Like, that's interesting, I think, mm-hmm. you know? Also, I do want to talk about Unreal, mm. because season two has started, and I have not started season two yet, okay. because we are super behind, but that is also a great example, of, I think, a great example of moral grayness. Yeah. Maybe? Because... Like, un- again, unlike anti-heroes, they have, the the producers in the show, mm-hmm. Unreal, have a reason to be morally gray, because right. they're making money by doing, you know, by throwing women under the bus and right. stuff. And of course, like, they are very villainous It's in not exactly, pursuits. they don't have any noble reasons for doing what they do. I, I right. I think they do what they do because they're good at it, and they get rewarded for it. So I think, yeah. I think, honestly, they... they the characters want to think there is more moral gray that, grayness than there actually is, mm-hmm. you know. But if they stop to think about it and look at themselves, they realize that they are kind of evil, you know. Yeah. And they're not. They're they're destroying lives and literally killing someone, you know. Yeah. Last season, people are dying over this, and mm. and the ultimate goal and reward is TV ratings and money, you know. Mm. Like you can't quite argue that like. I'm, well, I'm doing it for the right reasons, or, you know, like, uh, like, well, like, she, she does try to tell herself that, like, the social good of, of putting, you know, like, a black bachelor on TV, mm. you know, outweighs the, the trauma that she's she doing, does yeah. behind the scenes to, the, to people, and it's just mostly just these moral justifications, this, mm-hmm. you know, neutralizing behavior where she tells herself what she's doing is is more gray than it is, but when you step back mm. and you're like, oh, these are just straight up villains. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm still excited for season two. If anybody's not watching Unreal, mm-hmm. I would recommend it. Yeah. I, I love it. I'd love I to, I, after, after a few more episodes, I'd love to talk to you about it, because yeah. I still, I really love the show, but there's something about the way they talk. Like, ugh, I think it's that naturalistic uh-uh. dialogue. Okay. I'll keep an eye out when I start watching again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Briefly, I I wanted to ask you about Angel and Spike from Buffy. Oh, yeah. And what, what, what are they? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. I only watched Buffy once. I watched in college, sort of in like huge chunks. Mm -hmm. Like every night I'd watch three episodes. I, for a very long time, loved Spike. And then he sort of turned into a rapist. Yep. And now I feel gross for liking Spike. Yeah. And I feel like I should have stopped watching it at season four. Right? Season four? Five. 
five. Should have stopped watching in season five, and my life would have been a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are they? That's a good okay, question. Okay, so, like, Angel, he's straight up redeemed because he yeah. gradually gets a soul or whatever. Yes, and then he, that's a redemption. He spends his entire, his own standalone series redeeming himself for that and making up for it and feeling guilt about it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Spike, he... He, he would be, like, a chaotic... Yeah, because well, he starts off where he doesn't get a soul, but he gets a chip where he can't be... He can't hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. And so it, what that made for was something really interesting that you don't see very often, where it's it's that Zuka where it's that, it's that awkward villain yeah. is still hanging around, you know, and yeah. he, he can't be villainous anymore, but he's not good either. Mm-hmm. So he's just sort of the comic relief at a certain point. Yes. And that was great. And then you're right. And then at a certain point, he he tried to rape Buffy. Yeah. And at that point, it's like, okay, redemption arc over. You know, yeah. he was steadily moving along in arc. And then yeah. and then he gets a soul or something, just like Angel. And you're just like, well, you already did that. And and then at the end, he, he dies saying, mm-hmm. I love you or whatever. And Buffy rewards him by saying, I love you too. And... And he's like, I don't believe you. And everyone else is like, me neither, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, well, I don't feel anything for him anymore. I didn't feel anything when he died. I wasn't that upset, you know. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's just when you try and, like, complicate someone, like, just don't make someone a rapist. (laughs) Yeah. You instantly lose me. Yeah. As soon as you do that. You can't, to me, you can't come back from that. No, I agree 100%. I... Yeah, I mean, I honestly have blocked out what I loved about him in the first place because of how it ended, like the the turn it took. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I lost all connection to him as a character when mm-hmm. that happened, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of Angel, I do have a couple more just uh, villains with a redemption that I wanted to mention because some of them are so good. <laughs> One of them is Xena. Sure. She started as a villain in Hercules, of course. Um, also, uh, Orphan Black, uh, yeah. Helena. Uh, she yeah. was she was the villain in season one. Yeah, which is so scream music. <laughs> <laughs> which is so weird to think about now. I also um, we should talk. Well, we should mention Wreck It Ralph because <clears throat> Ralph is is a villain mm-hmm. is portrayed as a villain early on in the film and. Gareth and Madalena from Gallivant, which unfortunately was canceled <laughs> after season two. I would have loved to see where they went in season three. Um, yeah, see, those yeah. are great because I don't think they're ever... She's never going to be redeemed. Like, she's just a straight-up villain. Right. Gareth, I can't remember if he... I think Gareth was, like... He was definitely... Because he was a henchman, so I feel mm-hmm. like he was, you know, a villain in training, and he made a change in season two where he was like, um, maybe I'm not actually cut out to be a villain. Yeah. I think, I think I'll stay true to my friend and, you know, all this stuff. And I, I really liked how they painted him as a character specifically. Like, but Madalena, you also saw later on, she, because of her relationship with Gareth, that was like a reverse version. Right, reverse the trope. Yeah, because she was the villain and, and, 
sort of he changed her a little bit which was mm. it's that's nice to see that never happens so. yeah except it was great too because in the end it was like no i'm still not going to change the core of who i am yeah you know i like you a lot but you know i'm this is who i am and either you, yeah like, well which is i still am watching once upon a time don't ask me why because i couldn't tell you <laughs> um but like that oh, that God. is what that was the latest storyline with rumpelstiltskin was I'm going to stop pretending to try and be a good man for you. Just accept that I'm a, a bad guy and that's why you love me. And Which Yikes. is interesting, I guess, you know, so he gets to still be a villain and have his love. And she has to grapple with the idea that she's in love with a bad person. God. Yeah. Versus on that same show, Regina, the evil queen, mm-hmm. has had the full-on redemption arc. Except... This show has such a simplistic black and white view of the world where it's you're either a hero or a villain and you are forever a villain as long as you shall live. <laughs> you know, even if you've been completely redeemed, everyone keeps calling you a hero, but they're like, but at your core, you're still a villain. You oh know, my God. but they never say that about Hook, of course. Okay, so. <laughs> I've never watched an episode with Hook, so I can't speak to that. But I assume I'll just make an assenting noise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh gross. my god. Gross. Well, so what's our takeaway? Um, don't make your characters rapists. Yeah, yeah, and don't tell us that they can be <laughs> redeemed by the love of our main character, who is so much more interesting than that. Yep. You know, stop making Give the chosen one male. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, yeah. It's like, stop having the chosen one where the person who's training them, like, there's not an obvious reason why, like, I, I need an obvious reason why that person, like, have it, like, be, like, a really old man or something, and it's like, yeah. I'd love to go out fighting these bad guys, but I'm really old, <laughs> you yeah. know, don't make it, like, a badass, able-bodied woman who's smarter and more talented mm-hmm. than your main character. Well, you know that if they did that with a woman as the old woman, it would just be like, Julianne Moore. <laughs> Meryl yeah. Streep. I'm too old to fight. No, it'd be like Olivia Wilde. Yeah, of course, of course. You're so old. Yeah. You've had a child um, now. Also, we definitely made a mistake because we didn't even talk about Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Well, is he a villain? Well. I never thought of him as such. I just don't he, think he's necessarily a hero. He's a moral gray, I would say. Yeah. Um, sort he of does... a chaotic neutral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, there's a really great Tumblr post of the things that he has done that prove that he is, like, the best hero ever. <laughs> and I read through that one time, and I was like, damn, Deadpool, <laughs> <laughs> you're awesome. Yeah. I don't think so. he was ever really portrayed as, like, a bad guy. No. Even when he was, like, a hitman or whatever, it was a hitman with a hard gold or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. So, I would say more characters like Deadpool, less characters like everybody from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. my takeaway. <laughs> yeah, and less Ramsey Boltons of the world. Like, how boring. It's just Gross. like, this guy's evil, so let's tell you every single time you see him. Yeah. Ugh, I'm so bored. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, do you have a recommendation for me? I do. I went out to the movies. uh, Oh, yes. You did not sneak a hamburger into it? No, I bought a hamburger and brought it. Uh. (laughs) 
Okay. I saw Pop Star Never Stop Stopping. Oh my gosh. <laughs> which is um, the Lonely Island, um, you know, Andy Samberg, um, mm-hmm. and it's a, a fake documentary um, in the same vein as like Justin Bieber's documentary. Yeah. It's very similar. It, it's just to Bieber and stuff like that. And Are you admitting that you've seen the Justin Bieber documentary? In theaters, I saw that. And I oh. I got oh. teared up at one point. Um, yeah, when oh I came out of college. Uh, we all saw that together. Um, so I, so this movie, this movie was so, the things that it was, like, the satire and the parody that it was doing was so perfect on so many, so many times. And the music was so catchy so many times where I came out of the theater singing, like, about Bin Laden. And it was just so catchy. And there's this one song, it's pretty early on in the movie, they do a music video for it, where it's like a parody of Macklemore, um, mm-hmm. Saying Love. And it is so funny. I, I was just losing my mind. And I just, I don't want to give any any jokes away, because it's mm-hmm. just, it, it's like 90 minutes long. It is so funny. And I just, I love it. I love Andy Samberg, too. I think he... He's so he he's been so likable and he's so likable in this movie where he's this total entitled asshole, but then he has these moments where he like looks over at his mom who's like a hot mess. And you you see this little moment where he's got like all these emotions on his face and it's just I love Andy Sandberg and I think he does a great job playing a lot of things. I think it's just it's just hilarious and yeah, it's just fun. Well, I haven't even seen a trailer for that movie, so maybe I'll just go <laughs> in blindly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to do it. All right. Well, I saw Zootopia yesterday, finally, and I'm definitely recommending it because I I just loved it so much. Oh, my God. So it's about, it's all animals, which is the perfect movie for uh-huh. me because that's what I want to see is Disney animals. And it is so progressive just like flat out in it's the way it structures the world that it's set in and like the characters representation and stuff and so it's just like the premise is uh judy hops is a bunny and she wants to be a cop and there's never been a bunny cop before (laughs) and so she faces a lot of adversity and her boss is idris elba who's like a springbok not a springbok like a Bogo, they're um, they're a type of like a water buffalo, <laughs> and and so she just it's her and all these giant animals, and she's just navigating Zootopia, and she has a friend in Jason Bateman's fox who's like a sly fox, you know, yeah. and like it, there's just so many lovely characters throughout, and Shakira plays a gazelle in it named Gazelle, and she's supposed to be like Adele. It's so, it's so great. There are so many animal puns in the movie. Like, yeah. I like Macy's. The store is Mousy's. <laughs> it never ends. Every time you look at a storefront, it's like, oh my god. Like, <laughs> Urban Outfitters was something as well. I can't remember now, but it was like. Oh, God. It's just, you, everywhere you look, you'll see them and you're going to die. So, I I just love it. Jenny Slate is in it. J.K. Simmons is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Goodwin is Judy Hopps. And her husband, also from Once Upon a Time, yeah. Josh Dallas, is in it for five seconds as a pig. And <laughs> um, 
what's her face? Kristen Bell is a sloth. <laughs> of course. Oh, perfect. Of course. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend it and I don't know. It's just so enjoyable. And I but I'm so excited for finding Dory as well. Mm. So I can't wait to see that. I'm really that comes out next weekend. Can you believe next it? Next week. But yeah. I looked up so we're gonna be in Vermont next weekend. Like, oh, it would be so fun. I get to see, like, my whole family because we all saw Finding Nemo together. Oh, yeah. And then I looked up movie times, and the nearest theater is the Hampshire Mall no. <laughs> in Massachusetts. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's the nearest theater that's showing it. Ridiculous. Well, road trip. Yeah. Go see it. <laughs> all right. Uh, Zach sent us something Zach. yesterday. Oh, my God, Zach. Mm-hmm. On the ball. I hope I'm clicking the right one because he sent me two, and... This is better after the second one, so just okay. gonna assume. Hey Rebecca, Zach, and I just wanted to call and tell you and that I get a reminder about a job <laughs> that I started up. I'm actually a wedding planner for antennas. Yeah, it's going well. Um, there, uh, the last uh, wedding we had was a little so-so, actually. The, Ceremony was a bit dull, but the reception was fantastic. So, yeah, I'll talk to you later. Oh! <laughs> reception! Oh my god. Wow, that took me way too long. Whoa. <laughs> oh, that was like a surprise, Josie. <laughs> I think I lost the plot partway through because I, I maybe I zoned out for a second because I was like, what's happening? I had a moment where I thought, is this a joke, or is he actually talking about his upcoming wedding? <laughs> <laughs> we both got distracted. Yeah. Uh, but it was worth it in the end. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, Zach. 